This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. Faith is such a strange concept, isn't it? I mean, here I am wearing a collar about to dig into the good news, and what I'm thinking is it's so entirely complicated. No wonder we have an entire book about it. How to live it, how to keep it, how to have faith is so complex that there are books about the book, enough that we can fill entire libraries, and still we struggle with faith on the daily Paul's letter to Timothy, though, paints a very different picture of faith, one that seeks to remind us that faith is quite simple, if not easy. This letter is a rallying cry to stand strong in the face of opposition. The rallying cry is so loud and so clear that it was quoted by President Obama after the Boston Marathon bombing. Paul tells Timothy that God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. That's from the first part of the letter that we read last week. We also heard then that Timothy comes from a very long line of incredibly faithful people. Paul calls out this long heritage of sincere faith that, as he says, lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives on in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. And that makes me wonder if Paul was acknowledging that Timothy was struggling with his spirit. I mean, he had to be, right? Paul was imprisoned, taken in the midst of their ministry together, And Timothy must have been wondering how he would go on. And that makes me wonder how all of you have gone on. You shut this church down in March of 2020 and then stuttered your way back into church, but then had to compress yourselves into this space, into three services because of the construction. I mean, how do we even do communion anymore? How are you feeling, loved ones? How many have you lost along the way? I haven't heard of anyone being imprisoned like Paul, thankfully, but I do know that some among us have not come back. Some of us cannot come back. How do you go on? I can't help but think that Timothy might have felt the same way. And so let's look closer at Paul and Timothy and see if we can discover what this gospel is trying to tell us. Paul loves Timothy dearly. He starts his letter by calling Timothy his beloved child and feeling heartbroken over Timothy's tears. Paul assures Timothy that he is praying for him night and day, and it's clear that they have served in ministry together, that Paul is interested in Timothy's continued work and his well-being. Timothy was a perfect companion for Paul. He literally represents Paul's reconciliation as the son of a Jewish mother and a Greek father. 
This reconciliation of Jew and Greek was such a critical part of Paul's gospel message. Paul was in Macedonia at this time, and this reconciliation was the purpose of his very ministry there. Paul was a Jew whose actual job was to be the disciple to the Gentiles. The job of this letter is to look at the things that the church faces and asking Timothy to really look at where he is and what is in front of him. This letter is a huge reality check. You'll recall that Christianity itself was a liability at this time. Paul and Timothy and everyone that surrounded the church were in a precarious position. They thought, though they had a plan in place and a general direction for their ministry, they were not sure from day to day who they would lose or what they would face or how they would even do communion. Does that sound familiar, family? Does that sound like the chaos of our last few years? What Paul already knows, and the deeper truth of his message, is that no one gets out of here alive. Remember Jesus Christ, he says, raised from the dead, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. He is pointing Timothy to the presence and freedom and the capacity of God, of the enduring presence of the gospel, of the Savior, of the example Christ gave us of courage and of grace. He says, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. He's pointing Timothy to the everlasting, to eternal life rather than the life they see in front of them in the present, which is ever chaotic, always unpredictable, and excruciatingly painful. The next piece of Paul's letter is crucial. As he says, if we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Now, we can deny God, can't we? And that's what Paul is acknowledging. Peter denied Jesus three times, and he was restored. God holds us and keeps us and loves us even when we deny him. God loves us enough to allow us to walk away from all of this. And God will be God and will continue to love us no matter what we do or how we distance ourselves. Our lack of faith, our doubt, doesn't keep God from being God. Even Thomas, who needed to touch Christ's wounds to believe, was welcomed to do so. Christ didn't admonish him, but said to him, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. That is the gospel truth. God will always be God. God is constantly reaching for us, waiting for us to reach back. And God cannot help but to love and to love and to love us, even as we are walking away. 
God will hunt for the one lost sheep until it is found and restore it to the flock, making the 99 again 100. Maybe those are the moments that we learn to understand God in the moments of impossible beauty and confounding pain. Have you ever felt the swell of the Holy Spirit in intensely emotional moments? Something that feels like overwhelm and overflowing? That is the presence of God coming up alongside you. In the moments that we have the most intense feelings, we can perceive God, ask for God, return to God. And maybe, out of love, God is leaving us to explore our free will, allowing us to choose and create pain as well as joy, so that we can conceive of the desire and the true freedom that is promised to us. What Paul wants Timothy to know and wants us to know in this moment is that we will all suffer. That's true, right? We know that. No one gets out of here alive, right? He's acknowledging that to be Christian is to purposefully and willingly sacrifice your very life. He says clearly that he has sacrificed his own. More than that, he's saying that suffering is not just something that we have to put up with and try to work around. It's not that we suffer and try to be good disciples in spite of this very real human pain. Rather, it is because we suffer through this human pain that we are set free. This word is a confirmation of the gospel that life only comes after death. Deliverance only after suffering. Paul believes this so deeply that he is willing to give up his very life in pursuit of it. He knows in his very being that salvation will bring him to eternal glory. Paul is telling us that the pain we suffer in our humanity is cruciform. It's of the cross. It is what makes us disciples and leads us to God. God meets us in our pain and tells us and shows us that the living God and the living word will not be chained by death. So Paul guides them simply to know that they are God's own, to state who they are, and to remind one another with great love that nothing can separate us from the love of God, not ever. This is not easy to remember when we're exhausted, when we're unsure, when everything about who we are and what we're doing feels unstable. It's not easy in a pandemic. It's not easy in an election year. It's not easy on Mopac and traffic. And it's maybe not easy on OU weekend. We will lose our way, loved ones. We will experience pain and frustration, and we will doubt who we are, and that is okay. God will lay weight in those moments, reaching for us and reassuring us that Christ will transform our pain into glory when we ascend like he did, when we are resurrected with Christ and in Christ God will make that happen for each and every one of us. Of that we are assured. In the meantime, 
We are simply to be Christian, to live in the love and salvation that Christ wrought for us, and to seek God. Anything short of that feels rather empty, doesn't it? And so I will ask you a terrible question, and God knows I ask it also of myself. Is the truth beyond all truths, beyond the stars, just this? That to live without him is the real death, that to die with him is the only life. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.